0: Our scripture for this morning is from the 13th Psalm. How long, O Lord, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. The word of the Lord. Amen. Welcome. Welcome. Pinedor, if you're new, my name is Mark, one of the pastors here. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. It feels like it's been a while, actually, since we gathered here at Wells uh, to worship together. And enjoy it while you can. Drink it in while you can. We're only going to be here for a handful more Sundays before, hopefully in March, we move just down the road to our new space on Grand Avenue. Actually, a crew of volunteers were in the space Yesterday, you might have seen some of the pictures on social media. Uh, They ripped out all of the interior walls in our new church home uh, and the bathroom in our new church home. So if you come for counseling or a meeting of some kind, there is still a hole in the ground. Rest assured, you will have a place to relieve yourself. No, we probably won't be using the space at all uh, from now until we move in. For our first service uh, in early March, there. There's actually a couple people in our congregation that are hoping to do their weddings there in March, so we have a little bit of deadline pressure. I'm sure they would appreciate more than a hole in the ground. Um, No, it's an exciting time for our church. uh, An exciting time as we move into what I think will be something of a new chapter for us, our church, our community life seems to stumble forward in two to three year chapters and it feels very much as though we are about to move into a new chapter together and so in this the season of new chapters uh, the turn of the year when new chapters and new things are considered i thought it would be helpful for us to spend a bit of time today thinking about that new chapter looking forward to that new chapter maybe projecting a bit what we believe God might have for us in that new chapter. Uh, now of course no one can predict the future. No question as we continue to move forward as a church there will be many surprises for us. But even so I believe that we can discern the times, we can chart a course or set a course or trajectory based on our best understanding of what it is that God is leading us to. And so that's what I want us to do today. I want to get at where I think it is that God is leading us to. And in order to do that, uh, I want us to think about the topic of human longing. Okay, this is actually the time of year when human longing becomes most visible to us. Anyone who is a member of a gym sees this in palpable ways as there is a flood of new memberships that come into your gym. I can remember when uh, gym membership was a part of my life. I have since graduated to a more evolved form of exercise called parenting. (laughs) also known as the road to dad bod. Um, But back when gym membership was a part of my life, I can remember resenting January, resenting that there were all these people coming in and crowding out the machines that I was used to using. And of course, using them in all the wrong ways, doing neck workouts on triceps machines and vice versa. But what is that? That is the bubbling up of human longing, the human longing for a more streamlined body shape and all the attention that goes along with that, you're seeing that longing manifest during that January surge in new memberships. Now, to be fair, some may be there because they long for greater cardiovascular health. Nope. (laughs) Everyone wants to look good. (laughs) But this is human longing, and these human longings are a quintessential part of our lives. Really, every New Year's resolution can be traced back to some deep, internal, human longing. Many people, as the year turns, will make financial resolutions born out of this longing for security this longing for financial security and the comfort that comes from having savings in the bank or seeing your portfolio grow. And so as the year turns, you sit down and make out for yourself a budget and you determine that this will be the year when you finally cut takeout out of your diet and you begin to save money. I'm going to go grocery shopping every week. I'm going to shop at places like Aldi and Stanley's. And I'm going to accumulate this whole new savings that I did not have the year before. Of course, tragically, there is an arch enemy of the longing for financial security, and its name is Tacos. And so, particularly on weeknights after a long day of work, when you really deserve it, these arch enemies of financial security and Tacos will go to war, and... You do the math, (laughs) right? Okay, but human longings, they define us. So much of our decision-making, so much of our resolution comes out of human longing. We want a better life. We want a more satisfying life. For some of you, that gets wrapped up in romance, a longing for romance. Perhaps you've been single for some time and you resolve in the new year To download a few dating apps and start taking some social risk, the risk of rejection. Maybe for others, that romance would play out in your marriage. You're part of a sagging marriage and you decide this is the year when we put some spice back into our marriage. Less Netflix, more cocktails and candles, whatever it is. We want romance in our lives. Or maybe for some of you, it's not romance. You're longing for human contact extends just to friendship. You just want friends. You want a community. You want people that you can text without warning and go hang out with. You're tired of feeling lonely in the middle of a three million person city. And so you make resolutions that would lead you into deeper friendships. You're going to take more risks. You're going to put yourself out there. You're going to pursue relationship with people. For others of you, your New Year's resolutions might have to do with discipline. This is going to be the year when you finally stop procrastinating, and the end of that procrastination habit is going to lead to greater advancement in your work. Your boss is going to notice you, you're going to get a raise. Or perhaps for some of you who are in school, this will be the year you finally make the grades. You can finally tell your parents how you're doing in school without fear or threat of the removal of funding. Or maybe for you it's some other failure, some other shortcoming, some other ongoing sin or brokenness in your life. This is the year that I finally stop overeating. This is the year that I finally stop looking at porn. This is the year that I finally get my drinking under control. Human longings, they are a defining characteristic of all of us, and they drive us forward. Really, all of our decision making, every decision that we make, comes out of some deep longing within us, a longing for a better life a longing for a life more satisfying, a life more fulfilling. We all have these, and they're manifesting in us in dozens of ways, oftentimes without us really paying any attention to them. We're being directed by something that we are not seeing necessarily, or not noticing. Now, if you remember, those of you who were here before Advent, Advent, We, as a church, were giving special attention to the book of Psalms in the Old Testament Scriptures. That great book of Hebrew poetry. And now here on the other side of Advent, we are returning to that great book of the Psalms. Heading back into that sermon series that we've called the Psalter of Jesus looking at this book that was the prayer book of Jesus, was the song book of Jesus, was the verse that Jesus used to commune with his father, to have relationship with his father. And as we go back into the book in this new year, we're going to be looking at the Psalms of Lament. Okay, The Psalms of Lament are the most frequent, the most common type of psalm in the entire Book. Well, over half of the Psalms, in fact, are Psalms of Lament. And these Psalms of Lament are rife with human longing. That's what the Psalms of Lament are about. They are about human longing. What's more, they are about unfulfilled human longing. And the cry of the soul that finds itself in that place where it cannot be satisfied, where it cannot scratch that itch, where it cannot move into that better life, at least not to the degree that it longs for. And so these psalms of lament, I hope, over these next weeks and even months, as we'll be in them all the way through the season of Lent and up to Easter, they will give us some voice, some language, some infrastructure for the longings of our heart. And for the laments that come out of those longings as we find them unfulfilled. That's what these Psalms are for, in fact. They give us a language with which we can go to our Maker, that we can tell our God what it is that we long for. We can tell our God what sort of rescue we are hoping He will deliver to us. We can speak to Him in an open and honest way and dispatched with the holier sounding prayers that many of us believe we ought to be praying. Psalm 13, the psalm that we read just a moment ago in its entirety, is the quintessential picture of the psalms of lament. When studying the psalms of lament, Psalm 13 is the place to start. It is the most basic picture of lament the most basic picture of unfulfilled human longing in psalm 13 we have the ancient king david crying out to god in the face of his unfulfilled longings lamenting to god complaining to god and he begins the psalm this way verses one and two david prays how long O lord Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? You see what David is up to here. He's been trying to defeat his enemies. He has come to the end of his resolve. He's come to the end of his resolutions. He's done all that he can. He's put in the hard work. He's sought to make a better life, a new day. He has sought victory over his foes, and all of that resolve has left him wanting. He finds still that he is at odds with his enemies, that they threaten victory over him, And this longing in him to vanquish them, now he brings before the Lord. It's as if he's crying, how long are you going to let me languish, God? I've been here languishing, and it seems as though you don't have it within your agenda to be changing my circumstance at all. You seem content to leave me here in this place of longing. It doesn't seem as though you are the wind at my back. I'm trying to quench this longing. Are you in that same work with me? Are you helping me in that to any regard? Can you relate to this cry? In your life, when you think about the deep longings of your heart, The things that most direct you. The things that lead you to envision a better life. If I only had this, if I was only in that place, if only this would materialize, if only this circumstance would change, if I only had financial security, if I only had more health, if I only was married, if I only had a better marriage, if I only had some romance, if I only had a community of friends... If I could only defeat that one ongoing besetting sin that catapults me into that shame cycle over and over and over again. God, are you in this with me? Will you meet me in my resolve? Do you intend to bring me out of this languishing, to take me into victory, to give me a better and more joyful life? Even if you have never prayed that way, aren't those the prayers that lurk in you? The prayers that lie just beneath the surface of holier sounding language? Of your most frequent answer to the question of how you're doing? Isn't there a complaint and longing there? Can't you relate? to these words of David. It's as though our longings are dying of thirst and our whole person is crying out, water, please, Lord, give me some relief. Take me into that quenched place. David prays, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep, the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. He says, God, if you don't rescue me here, my life is going to dry up. My enemies are going to rejoice in my failure. They're going to dance on my grave. The circumstances that I find myself in, they're too much for me. I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm broken by it. Some of you, no doubt, find yourselves in that very spot. Some of you are in that place, but it's just too scary to admit it. Much easier to turn up the noise of life, turn down the volume of your inner thoughts and press on as though your longings were not leading you to sorrow. And some of you from that place when you consider the prospect of resolving your way out of it of doubling down on the hope of resolutions of digging in again and fighting for a better life fighting to get into better circumstance, fighting for a better marriage, better finances, better friendships, whatever it is, that prospect just sounds daunting. You're weary of fighting that battle again. And this psalm meets us there in that weary place. And it meets us there with an invitation God preserves this psalm for us so that we would see that God's people are invited to come to him with those longings. Come share the despair, the uncertainty, the resignation, the weariness, the hopelessness that you feel in your present circumstance Or even allow yourself to acknowledge it. Lay down your defenses so that you can see just how much sorrow, just how much longing, unfulfilled longing is at work in your own soul. Just how much it is directing your steps, deciding for you what is the next course of action in your life. This psalm is saying, admit that. Be honest about that. Come before God with that. Share it with him. Speak to him of it. Why? Well, what would you expect the next words of David to be? We've heard him bring his complaint to God. We've heard him open up to God about his longing, his unfulfilled Longing. We've heard him plead with God to rescue him out of it. We've heard him express frustration with God, that it seems God has no intent of providing relief or rescue to him. What comes then? More despair, more resignation, throwing up your hands? No, in this particular case, what comes in the wake of that expression of sorrow and lostness for David is hope. He says in the next verses, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Well, there you have it, right? When you're up against it, when you're at your wit's end, share it with God, and you'll feel better. Like a magic bullet, right? <laughs> no, of course not. Relationship with God is not a magic bullet that makes us feel better. But relationship with God is a source of hope. And hope is a very powerful thing. Hope has the capacity to reshape the way it is that we navigate through the longings of our heart. When we engage with the longings of our heart hopelessly, our course of action invariably leads to more despair. But when we engage with our longings in the hope of God, there is some mysterious relief that meets us there. Maybe not the relief that we would want, nor the relief that we would expect, but some real and true relief there. We, we live in a world That is pregnant with longing. That is to say that every single person alive has longings in them that want to be birthed. Longings in them that are desperate for release, desperate for fulfillment, desperate to find their way into satisfaction. That's a universal reality. It's as true for the people of God as it is for anyone else. We're trying to get fit and save money and find love and make friends and be successful and beat our sin, become better people in some way. And, of course, none of that is wrong or evil. In fact, all of those pursuits are good and can be gone about even in healthy ways. But there's a problem. And the problem is that the process of giving birth is painful and bloody and scary. Don't know how many of you have been present in the process of giving birth or perhaps even been the one to give birth. How different it becomes when a mother in labor is reminded that new life is just ahead. The more that mother is reminded that new life is just ahead, the more there is a sudden rush of energy, a willingness to face the pains of childbirth. In fact, As the mom receives hope, as the mother receives that hope of new life, she's not only able to endure, she is able to push. She is able to fight. There's an assurance, there's a hope that all of this pain, all of this labor is not for naught, that there's new life there at the end, that there's a promise of something that is worthwhile. That allows us to languish in our longing. It's the hope that God will indeed bring about new life at the end. David here in this psalm is in the throes of labor. He's fighting with his enemies. He has not been able to vanquish them. He is in birth pangs. And he hasn't broken through to fulfillment But he prays to God, and as he prays, he begins to remember who God is. He begins to remember the promises of God. That God has spoken true things, pointed him to new life, and that God is faithful, that he deals bountifully with people. And as he remembers this, this hope, this life, that this bounty is near faith begins to arise in him. Worship begins to arise in him. A real and present rescue begins to manifest and it is not the sort of rescue that changes his circumstance. It's not the sort of rescue that means the end of longing or even the end of unfulfilled longing. He finds himself in the span of this psalm still in the same stuck place, facing the same overwhelming enemies and yet, simply in the memory of who God is and the faithfulness of God's promises, he begins to hope and trust and worship and sing. This is how the Psalms of Lament go. As we look at them over the next months, you will see this pattern repeat itself. The Psalms of Lament begin with some cry of the soul, some cry of human longing. Psalm 4, for example, begins, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Begins with this cry of longing, and then just a few verses later, it ends with words of faith and hope in the God who promises Life. Verse 8 of Psalm 4 In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the story of life lived with God. It is not a life in which we are spared from longing, it is not a life in which we are spared from lament. It is not a life in which we are spared from sorrow, the frustration of unfulfilled longing. But it is a life of hope. This is the story of the life of Jesus, of course. And it's the story of many of our lives. Those of us who know God, those of us who are in relationship with God. We have longings, of course. It's a dangerous thing to pretend that relationship with God would spare you from longing. No, of course not. Jesus, the very Son of God, lived a life of longing. He lived a life of unfulfilled longing. He lived a life familiar with grief. He was the man of sorrows. There is no way around the reality of unfulfilled longing. But if you spend your life chasing the fiction that you can escape those longings, you will find yourself repeatedly running into a brick wall of despair. Jesus didn't chase that life. Jesus accepted the unfulfilled longings of his life because he was living in the hope of his Father. He was living in the hope of God. That's the story of Christ. That's the true human story that many of you and I have stepped into by faith. We're not pretending that we have it all together. We're not pretending that our lives are fulfilled, that our lives are wholly satisfied. We're not pretending that we live without sorrow but we know God and so we hope in him we don't face our longings with the deadly burden of trying to carry them alone we face our longings in the assurance that God is stepping into them with us That in Christ, he is carrying them for us. And that in his promises, new life and bounty are ahead. If not in this life, then surely in the next. So listen, the next chapter of our church, best as I can see it, is to share that hope. We are just now emerging from a chapter of church life in which we have known great pain, great loss, great sorrow, in which we have known unfulfilled longing and also in which we have found great hope and beauty in our good God. That hope and beauty is for us to enjoy, but it is not for us to hoard. Our neighborhoods, our city, is full of people who live in the same of dissatisfaction of frustration of unfulfilled longing as you do as I do this is universal this is a defining characteristic of humanity and those of us who know God we face those things in the hope of his faithfulness in the surety of his promises this is something that we have for this city A real hope, a real and present hope that can steer people away from the brick wall of despair and steer them into true human life. Fully lived human life, the very life of Christ. I want us to begin asking these questions in earnest as we head into this new year and as we head into this new chapter of our church how might we share this life of hope with people beyond our congregation how might we offer friendship with God in meaningful ways that relieve people's burdens How might we pay attention to the longings of our neighbors and begin to step in to serve and love and care and demonstrate the heart of God to them? We have spent a beautiful chapter looking up and looking in. I'm hoping that that continues in this next chapter as we also increasingly look out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you that you haven't left us to face longing alone, but that you've come to us, that you've stepped into human longing through Christ we thank you for his life of faith and for the gift of your spirit that ministers that life to us father would you fill us with your heart that we would not only receive the goodness that you've offered to us in Christ but that we would offer it beyond our number that others would know and hope and see your goodness and be relieved and worship and find life. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.